Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And we're on episode 115, which will cover week three of Ohio high school football scores in Southwest Ohio. We'll also cover the Frontier League Championship, the Midwest League Championship, who's officially out of the playoffs now, and more local Sunday sports. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the leewmallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. But first, some platform news. Yes, one of the platforms that this podcast is on, PodCoin, is shutting down next week. You know PodCoin, the ad that I made that sounds a little like this. Hi everybody, I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play. And simply use my code CINCYSPORT with two eyes, And you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin, and sign up with the code CINCYSPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. PodCoin. Yes, indeed, PodCoin will be shutting down September 24th, meaning that's the last time you will hear that ad. It's really a shame, too, for PodCoin, because I loved that platform. A, my podcast was on it. B... You listen to podcasts, you get pod coins, which in turn you spend on gift cards to Starbucks, Amazon, and a couple other places. And see, there was an option to be sponsored for two weeks, and I took advantage of it a couple times, and I got about 10 subscribers out of that. So I really do appreciate PodCoin for that. If you get pod news, you already know, but if you don't, I recommend it. You get a daily email Monday through Friday about 7 o'clock in the morning. They also have a short podcast as well daily. They mentioned that they covered the debut of PodCoin, and they calculated that if you listen to PodCoin, if you listen to podcasts on PodCoin for about three hours a day for every day of the year, that's 365, if you do that for three years, you could save up to buy a pair of Bosley headphones. You know, the super expensive but super awesome sound equipment. I don't know how they figured that, but they did. So, thank you for everything, PodCoin. Best luck in your next escapades. So again, PodCoin shutting down on the 24th, meaning it will soon be removed on the media kit, which you can access at com slash podcast. 
And now, week three of Ohio High School football scores. And week four of local Indiana High School football. Because Indiana and Kentucky starts a week before Ohio does. Will that change? I don't know. And by local, I mean part of the Miami Valley. So that's Wayne County, Randolph County. I don't know if I reached Jake County or not. And Union County. If it's part of the Miami Valley... I cover it. Actually, Michael Hearn replied. He was being silly. I, that guy is awesome. But he was being silly. He's like, you Dayton people claim Southwest Ohio a lot. Like, you claim Northwest. And I thought about it, but I talk about the Miami Valley and Cincinnati sports. That's what I do. And I know OHSAA disagrees with me. I think the line is, is that Miami Oglays? I think that's the line from southwest to northwest. But that's what I do. I know I talk about Lima sports. I know I talk about Columbus sports. And I talk about Indianapolis sports from time to time. Why? Because it's my podcast. And plus, it's more stuff to talk about. So, Miami Valley and the tri-state area, that's what I cover. By tri-state, I mean Cincinnati, sometimes southeast Indiana, and northern Kentucky. Would you like to hear scores now? I sure would. Let's talk about the lone Thursday game. It was televised on 45.2 in the area. Piqua defeats Stebbin 27-10. That's now a Miami League, Miami Valley League battle. As the Indians knock off the Indians there. See what I did there? Because both schools are called the Indians. Piqua wins by 17. Now on to Friday scores. I will warn you now, some of them might seem a little odd. And some of them were not completed, but they were called official games just because of the large leads and what have you. Yes, storms ripped through the Miami Valley. I think mostly northern. I don't know if we got anything at Wright State. I was working the volleyball tournament at the time. But there's your fair warning. We'll start off with Covington versus Twin Valley South, and the Buccaneers defeat TVS 48-0. That game was called before halftime, as the Buccaneers put on 48 points on West Alexandria's Panthers. Bethel edges out Tri-County North 19-18. Talawanda takes care of Eaton 44-14. National Trail 3-0 are the Blazers. They knock off Tri-Village 43-12. And Rebel Shawnee takes down West Carrollton 47-0. I believe that was at Dock Stadium in West Carrollton. You know, the football field with a pirate ship on it. I don't know if they still fire the cannons off for pirate games or not. They don't do it for Dutch Lions games, which is a shame. On the other side, if you remember last year, Middletown Madison defeated Valley View for the first time since 1990. Well, it's not going to be a repeat. The Spartans roll over the Mohawks, Valley View 42, Middletown Madison 6. Oakwood takes care of Carlisle, 28-7. Brookville stomps on their neighbors to the south, Dixie, 60-18. Bellbrook shuts out Tecumseh, 42 to nothing. Springboro, 3-0 for the first time in quite some time. They shut out Beaver Creek, 45-0. Springfield takes care of Miamisburg and Ohio Star City. That's Miamisburg, 42-7. to 
Wildcats over the Vikings. Tippecanoe edges off Fairborn 20 to 7. Trotwood Madison defeats Wayne 40 to 28. That was on ESPN 14:10. Got to listen to the closing moments of that game on the way home from Wright State Volleyball. Milton Union edges out Northwestern 27-21. That's a great battle there. Great series. Hopefully that continues. And Sonia and Mississinawa Valley in the Battle of State Route 47. And it's the Tigers clawing out the Blackhawks 40-18. Arcanum shuts out Bradford 55-0. Fort Loramie takes care of Miami East 34-0. Bell Fountain. They're big over Urbana, 56-0. The Chieftains win it. Kenton Ridge defeats Benjamin Logan, 48-6. Coldwater, 42, Versailles, 7. Anna, shutout winners over New Bremen. The Cardinals had a chance to go 3-0 for the first time in a long time. But the Rockets say no, and they win 45-0. Elsewhere... Smarting off their first loss in quite some time in the regular season. Marion Local flies over Parkway 49-0. Minster over Fort Recovery 41-20. St. Henry, their first win of 2019 with a 24-21 decision over Delphi St. John's. Wapakoneta 13, Van Wert 7, Lima Shawnee 31, Defiance 6, Ketton 42, Salina 14. Ottawa Glandoff 30, St. Mary's 27, Fairbanks 53, Cedarville nil. The first meeting of these two schools since 2000, Green and Northeastern, and it's the first time the Knights have reached 3-0 since then. It's Green and 44, Northeastern 7. Elsewhere, Mechanicsburg, big winners over Springfield Catholic Central, 47-0. Mass and Plains, 38, Triad, 22. West Jefferson, 48, Greenville, 17. West Liberty Salem, 63, Southeastern, 14. Carroll, 37, George Washington out of Indianapolis, 16. That George Washington school is known as the Continentals. Chaminade, Julian, 37, Greenville, 16. Not sure why that was... Uh, Necessary point to bring out, but the more you know. London 48, Columbus Academy 7, Sydney 7, Belmont 0, Alter 14, Belfry, Kentucky 0. That Belfry team was multiple state winners in the state of Kentucky, and Alter held their own. Great win for the Knights. Centerville picks up their first W of 2019. They take down Dunbar 35-6. to in the Battle of Falcons, Clinton Massey, 7 better than Fenwick, 28-21. Northridge, 28. Troy Christian, 22. That's soon to be a conference battle. I believe that's the Three Rivers Athletic Conference starting next year. I think next year. Graham, 26. Layman Catholic, 20. Jonathan Alder, 42. Bloom Carroll, 13. Bloom Carroll is in Central Ohio, not a bloom off of Carroll High School in Dayton. Yes, I know that pun was just awful. I don't apologize. Dayton Christian, 36. Ponix Tech, 6. Indian Lake, 42. Riverside, nil. Springfield Shawnee over Thurgood Marshall, 49 nothing. Turpin defeats Troy, 62-13. Vandalia Butler, 57. Wilmington, 29. Waynesville, 43. Blanchester, 14. Lebanon over West Claremont, 16-6. Soon to be ECC foes. Xenia, 7 better over Franklin, 27-20. Waynesville-Goshen, 60-14 winners over Ridgedale. 
Taft defeats Withrow 29-26, and that is the first official game back at the new Sturgill Stadium. The first 500 fans got t-shirts. I believe it was 500. Might have been 200. First 100 got towels. It was quite nice. It's quite nice to see Sturgill being rebuilt. And if you want to know what happened to old Sturgill, well, that's going to be the future home of FC Cincinnati. I can't wait for that to be built. Williamsburg 43, Riverview East Academy 6. In an upset, it's the Aves of Sycamore 16 and the Princeton Vikings 13. By the way, for Sycamore, they donned gold jerseys for the first time in school history. And I had a couple of looks from social media. I believe Mike Dyer had it on Facebook. Those yellow jerseys were beautiful. I always loved green and gold. Fairfield 47, Middletown 7. Lakota West 33, Hamilton 13, and for Coach Bolden of the Firehawks, that's his 76th consecutive Greater Miami Conference victory. 76 straight victories in GMC play. Now, granted, most of those with the Coleraine Cardinals, but he keeps the streak rolling with Lakota West. Lakota East Takes care of Mason 20 to 14. Colerain rolls over Oak Hills 45 to 14 in the victory bell battle. No, I'm not talking about Cincinnati, Miami just yet. This is the Miami Township victory bell. And yes, I know there's Miami Township, Montgomery County, but this is Miami Township, Claremont County. It's Milford 47, Loveland 13. Actually right next to each other, which, you know, there you go. Kings over Northwest, 38-6. to Muller, a big 68-7 win over Lafayette, Kentucky. That's the first win for the Fighting Crusaders. St. X over Penn, Indiana, 37-7. That's not to be confused with Indiana University of Pennsylvania. There's also a California University of Pennsylvania as well. Why? I don't know. LaSalle over Mansfield, Massachusetts, 38-16. Elder, a big shootout win over Clearwater Academy, Florida, 60-54. to No, I did not stutter there. And no, that's not basketball. At 60-54, to as the Elder Panthers now 3-0. Marymont, 41. Schroeder, 6. Indian Hill, 64. Aiken, 0. Madeira, 39. Purcell Marion, 6. Finneytown, 28. Hillcrest, 8. Taylor defeats Cincinnati College Prep, 28-16. Wyoming, Staves off a hungry Mount Healthy squad. 10-7 Cowboys over the Owls. Overtime win for Harrison. They defeat Anderson 6-0. And for the Redskins, they had a long streak of scoring 10-plus points. I couldn't find out what that streak was. I was Last time I found out last year, it was like 70-some games, I swear. If you know what the answer is, feel free to yell at me at the normal addresses, which is Twittered. Dot com slash the Lee W. Mallon. Ross over Western Brown 34-7. Little Miami 33. Goshen 24. In the Battle of the Hills. The Hills have eyes. Actually, the Hills have football. And there's seven of them in Cincinnati. Although Seven Hills doesn't have football. They have football, but not football. The more you know. Walnut Hills 35. Western Hills 6. Deer Park 41, Miami Valley Christian 0, Summit Country Day 33, Reading 0, Woodstock North Illinois 61, Norwood 9, Hughes 34, Lachlan 15, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy 40, McNicholas 33, Cincinnati Country Day 38, Holy Cross Kentucky 20, 
Claremont Northeastern 63, Bactavia 14, New Richmond 28, Monroe 21, New Miami 39, Fayetteville 0, Roger Bacon 45, Woodward 6, Grove City Christian and Central Ohio 21, Jefferson Township 12, Baden 27, Edgewood nil. Winton Woods 30, Upper Arlington 7. The Warriors just keep rolling on. I tell you, Winton Woods looking quite strong again. St. Bernard, Elmwood Place 42, Bellevue, Kentucky 28. First win for the Titans of 2019. Bethel Tate 38, Scott County, Kentucky 33. Hillsboro 21, East Clinton 7. And the Battle of Monteseris, it is Gamble over Clark 29 to nil as we jump into the Hoosier State for a couple scores. Richmond picks up their first NCC battle win. They take on Muncie Central and come away with a 16-12 to victory. Winchester flies over Centerville, 42-28. to Yes, there are two Centervilles, and they're not that far apart. Centerville, Indiana has the warm candle glow, warm glow candle factory, whatever it's called. And Centerville, Ohio has a lot of stuff. There you go. Union County, one point better than Hagerstown, 35-34 Patriots. Northeastern shuts out the Lincoln Golding Eagles, 41-0. South Dearborn, 7, Connorsville, 0. Knightstown, 27, Union City, 12. And a Saturday afternoon affair, try one better than West Dell, 21 to 20. And a couple more Saturday scores for you. Middletown Christian defeats Doan 32-0. Doan out of Cincinnati. Doan Community is the official school name. Lima Bath 6. Elida 0. Delphos Jefferson 38. Lima Perry 36. And Ada 45. Upper Scioto Valley 14. And that covers your high school lot from Southwest Ohio, the Miami Valley, and the Tri-State area. Like I mentioned, Cincinnati, Dayton, and some Lima schools. And now we move on to the college ranks in Southwest Ohio. This is the victory belt that's not in Miami Township. You probably would have already guessed it since I said college. The Bearcats have won it for 13 straight, and now the Bearcats have won it 14 straight times as the Bearcats claw out a 35-13 to victory over the Miami Redhawks. Elsewhere, Cincinnati Christian falls just short. Both losses for the CCU Eagles have been close, but Anderson, Indiana, defeats CCU 27-23. In a battle where I was listening to most of the fourth quarter, the Dayton Flyers, three better over Robert Morris on the road, 34-31 Flyers. UD now 2-0 on the young season. I heard the Flyers score a touchdown, and previous head coach and now color commentator Mike Kelly he was happy as you could imagine on that. I love listening to sports. You've probably worked that out since I cover a lot on this podcast. But I do like listening to Flyer football just because Coach Kelly has a lot of knowledge on the sport. And he was the head coach of the Flyers for a long time. So working with Larry Hanskin, who's been at UD for... I I actually don't know, but it's been a long, long time. In fact, I think... First time Hanskin was at UD, he had a fro. Now he doesn't have hair, so there you go. I don't know how that's relevant, but the Flyers are 2-0, and and they will host Duquesne, which you would think that's an A-10 battle, but remember, A-10 does not sponsor football. It's a Pioneer Football League Flyers against Duquesne. Are they in the NEC for football? 
I'm not sure. I thought Duquesne was in the Pioneer League, and then it took me a while. I was like, oh, yeah, they're not. So there you go. For the North Coast Athletic Conference opener for Wittenberg, they take care of Hiram and the Terriers, 36-12. to In the Ohio Athletic Conference opener for the Quakers, Wilmington falls short against the Student Princes of Heidelberg, 35-10. to Yes, that is their name. It's a great name, isn't it? Urbana. Now 2-0 in the Mountain East Conference. I failed to realize that last week's win for Urbana was a conference game. And then I had a look at their schedule, and there's only one non-conference game. It's at the end of the season against Truman State. 28-20, Blue Knights now 2-0 in conference play. For Central State, the Marauders fall to Southwest Baptist out of Missouri, 38-3. The Marauders have scored 11 points in their two matches and have given 38 points up in each of their losses. I almost had to... I had to look to double-check, but I almost thought that that was the same score that the Marauders had last week against Quincy. But no, the Marauders scored 8 last week, and now this week against Southwest Baptist scoring 3. Cumberland now 2-0 in the Cincinnati-slash-Northern-Kentucky quadrant as they edge off Thomas Moore in the Saints 17-14. For club football, the Wright State Raiders opened up their season with a 28-3 loss against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. I had to do a little research on the Raiders. One, because I thought they were still in the Great Lakes division of the National Club Football Association. But they're not. They're part of the Mid-Atlantic West Conference with Miami, Ohio State, and Pittsburgh. Or Pitt, as it's most notably known. So I found out the season preview. And some of these are just great. I have to roll back up and tell you a couple of coaches' quotes. <laughs> but for the Raiders, they're led by Dustin Rucker. I believe I went to school with Dustin Rucker. He's been part of the football squad for quite some time. Raiders looking to rebound from a 2-6 2018 where they finished third in their conference out of four teams. Returning five players, four starters, including Yusuf El-Husami, who got me the opportunity to announce the football match. It was a lot of fun until the microphone died that second half trying to fiddle with batteries and fiddle with the wireless receiver. That was not so fun. But got to meet some people. Oakland and I were having fun. So that was really cool. People said I had a nice voice. That made me feel great. And then I couldn't announce in the second half because the microphone went kapooey. <clears throat> but it's a lot of fun for me to announce these games. And it's very special because of the fact that I helped start the football team. I didn't do any of the heavy lifting. I was the media liaison, so I was more in charge of, hey, we have a football team. Go watch them and go support them. I was still part of that group until I graduated, you know? It's a good group. It's a lot of fun. The biggest rival for Rice State, I would have said Miami, but the Raiders picked Ohio State. Back when Wright State was getting underway the later part of last decade, Raiders handled Ohio State quite well, but as of late, Ohio State's club team looks pretty good. Not quite as good as the, you know, the varsity counterpart, but you know what? These are kids that are playing football. They're playing. They're not getting scholarships. They're still risking their bodies out there. The new additions include Kyle Gigadet and Cody Smith. 
Like I mentioned, Yusuf El-Husami was an All-American, and he got me the opportunity to announce that game. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun talking to Oakland's uh, Canberra Open statistician. He had to record stats on his smartphone, whereas I had both rosters on my smartphone, so it made announcing a little bit tricky. But, hey, it was nice to come back and announce Wright State football. The outlook for the Raiders struggled through the whole season in 2018, looking to restart from scratch with very minimal returners and a complete rebuild for Wright State. I'm hoping that this rebuild for Wright State goes through successfully because I learned that Wright State Club Hockey has folded. I mean, last year there was nine skaters, so it's hard to keep up a team when you have nine. And also I knew something was funny when Wright State wasn't even playing UD. You know, the school that they shared Kettering Rec Center with for quite some time. It, it did, it does make me sad, and I really need to find my Wright State hockey jersey that I bought. But hopefully, that's not the end of Wright State hockey. Hopefully, it starts up again soon. Maybe it's just a hiatus and an opportunity to build bodies. I hope, but we'll see. I looked at Miami's club football. Team, yes, Miami has club football along with varsity football, just like Ohio State, just like Pittsburgh. And the Red Hawks don't start until September 29th. I don't get it either. And I look at their schedule, there's only five games listed. Five. Whereas the Raiders have a whole slew of games. I believe the Raiders host Michigan State next, or this Saturday? I say next week as Saturday, but there you go. Now, going back, this is off of NCFA Football. Double-checking to make sure it's .org. It is .org. Look at me remember stuff like that. This is from the Mid-Atlantic. I have to I have to share a couple of quotes. Miami, or actually, no, that's Ohio State. They have a really, really long 2019 season outlook. They consider Miami their biggest rivalries. Actually, go up to Miami. Who And the Red Hawks see Ohio State as their biggest rivalry. I see. Okay, so this is for the University of North Carolina Greensboro. They're the Spartans out of Greensboro, North Carolina. You probably already gathered that from the name of the school. 2019 season outlook. Looking for revenge. End outlook. Yes. <laughs> but that's not even my favorite part. The head coach quote. I like to dominate. <laughs> I'm sorry, it gets me every time that I see that. And I just caught it, you know, about two hours ago, because this podcast is taking a lot of extra takes. And I've been on this for two hours now. But, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I like to dominate. That's a great head coach quote. And their best player nickname, I actually do like this. They have a Megatron of their own. No, not Calvin Johnson. This is Jaquarius Pouncey. I do like the Megatron nickname, though. <laughs> not as much as the head coach quote. There was another big one. Oh, this is for Miami. Miami U. 2019 season outlook with our competitive schedule. We aim to finish at the top of our conference and make a run at a national championship. Like I mentioned, the social media and the website for the club Red Hawks only showed five games. So I don't know if that's just 
conference games or what. But yeah, five games. That's what I saw. So if I'm wrong on that, please correct me. And I'll correct it next week. Head coach quote. The hay is in the barn. Good for the hay. I don't know which one I like better. The hay is in the barn or I like to dominate. Uh, for Wright State, going back down, it's the last one in the preview. There is no head coach quote. The outlook, like I mentioned, a complete rebuild. I hope it works. You know, I do complain a lot about how Wright State students don't support Raider Athletics, and it's a crying shame because um, you get in for free. You know, free. It doesn't cost you anything. You walk in, you show your right one card, and bam, you're watching sports. I know Wright State is a very large commuter school. Uh, when I went there, it was 70% commuters, 30% residents. But it's free. <sighs> Just, uh, it breaks my heart, because this fall season is going to be really special for Wright State. And I mean, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball. We have three teams that could make some noise in the Horizon League. And I cannot wait to see the season roll on. One last check in the Mid-Atlantic preview. I do like the Longwood University head coach quote. Oh, the player nickname, Raw Dog. We're a young team. We're looking to improve and get better each and every day. It's time for us to get back to playing competitive football this year. John Altamus. I hope I said that right. It still doesn't beat the head coach quote. <laughs> I like to dominate. So there you go. Now back to other scores. We'll start off with NFL scores. We are talking about the Bengals game eventually. San Francisco 41, Bengals 17. It was 21-7 at the end of the first quarter in favor of the 49ers. Defense did not apply that game. And it still makes me a little angry, a little disheartened to talk about the loss. Considering that week one had so much promise. Yes, it was a loss, but it was a close loss. What is this? You're at home, and you drop... Ugh. Indianapolis 19, Tennessee 17, Seattle 28, Steelers 26, and something I saw on Twitter, Seattle, what was it, they didn't score, they didn't win in Pittsburgh since like 1980s, 1990s? It's been a while, but the Seahawks come through and they take down Pittsburgh. And also the Steelers now have to go the entire season without Ben Rufflesberger. You might not like the guy because off-the-field antics. But, yeah, serious surgery that requires him to be out for the year. It's Mason Rudolph time in Pittsburgh country. Which, uh, I feel like he can do the Steelers justice in that department. He's going to need some patience. He's going to need to get the offense going because it really hasn't been working out. But it's going to be interesting, especially week four when Pittsburgh and Cincinnati duel for the first time this year. I think that's a Monday night game. Is that a Monday night game? 
With the Bengals being 0-2, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not, but there you go. And also, Monday Night Football game, the Browns pick up the first win of the year by taking down the New York Jets 23-3. That game, the Jets had black end zones, black jerseys, which I, I do like the black jerseys the Jets have. I, I, I know some people don't, and they say, what is this, a college game? But, hey, you try you try things. Although the Jets are now on their third quarterback in just their second game. That's right, Sam Darnold, you might know, he's out with uh, mononucleus. He's out for a considerable chunk of the season. And Trevor Simeon was backed up. You saw his ankle. Ankles don't bend that way, I assure you. So he's out for a while, and now it's Luke Falk time, meaning the Jets have some work to do to find a second-string quarterback now, since the Jets are now on their third stringer. Not wonderful times in the Meadowlands. And now I guess it's time to talk about that Bengals loss, isn't it? Ooh, boy. I I had a look at the stats already before this episode, and... <laughs> Well, let me tell you, at least the fumbles were fixed. I think there was only one fumble, and it wasn't lost. You know what wasn't fixed? The running game. 19 carries, 25 yards for an average of 1.3 yard per carry. Unacceptable. You have Mixon. Didn't he lead the league last year in yards? 17 yards on 11 carries. Giovanni Bernard, six carries, six yards. His longest with a five-yarder. And Andy Dalton, two keeps, two yards. Yeah, what is this running game, and how do we get it better? I don't know. I Look, I might be mad at the running game, but it's really... If you don't have an offensive line that can push and you don't have a strong offensive line, you're not going to get a lot done. I will go to the passing stats now for the quarterbacks. Former New England Patriot, Jimmy Garoppolo. 17-25 for 297 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. His quarterback ranking was 131.2. And there was a pass thrown by Pettis. One for one, 16 yards. His quarterback ranking was... 108.8. Actually, 118.8. Excuse me. And between the two passes for San Fran, that's 132.4. That's pretty darn good. For Cincinnati, Andy Dalton. 26 of 42, 311 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, longest pass, 66 yards, to Ross, who took that in for the score. Quarterback ranking for Dalton, 90.5. 90.5. That's not great, that quarterback ranking. But with the running game just not being a thing, what's Dalton supposed to do? Yesterday, while listening to Kenner and Schlemmer, someone was calling in saying it's all Andy Dalton's fault, and he's like, Andy Dalton needs to pump up his team. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize Andy Dalton was a cheerleader. Some quarterbacks don't have that personality. Some do. That's fine. It's not all Andy Dalton's fault. In fact, 
if Andy Dalton wasn't there, would we get the 17 points? I don't know. I don't think we would. Like I mentioned, 25 rushing yards. Final stats. Not just one quarter, not just a half, not just 10 minutes. 25 yards in the game. I'll take your attention to San Fran's rushing yards. Uh, Brita, 12 carries, 121 yards for an average of 10.1 yards per carry. And, of course, I put him on my bench because I am smart. Mostert got one more carry than Brita did, 13 for 83 yards. Wilson, 10 carries, 34 yards, two touchdowns. Garoppolo, four keeps, eight yards. Samuel, two attempts, seven yards. And Justchik, one carry, six yards. That's 259 yards on the ground for San Fran with 297 through the air from Garoppolo. Looking at the wide receiving core, Boyd led the way for the Bengals. Ten catches on ten targets, 122 yards. Ross, four catches on eight targets. That's not entirely great, that ratio, but 112 yards, 66 the longest catch, one touchdown. Mixon, three catches, five targets, ten yards. Eifert, three catches, nine yards, and a touchdown. Sample, two catches, 25 yards. Erickson, one on 14 yards. Seven yards for Bernard, six yards for Willis, six yards for Auden Tate. For San Francisco, Samuel, five catches, 87 yards, a touchdown. Goodwin, three catches, 77 yards, a touchdown. Mustard, three catches, 68 yards, a touchdown. Kittle, three catches, 54 yards. Breida, one catch, 11 yards. James Jr., one catch on four targets, seven yards. Justick and Bourne, one catch each, five and four for those two receivers. Yeah. Looking at the punting, I will tell you the Bengals had to go to Huber five times for 226 yards. Uh, an average of 45.2 per punt. Wisnowski only got two punts for San Fran for 75 yards. I, I did mention the fumbles were better. One fumble, it was not lost by Dalton, but it went for a one-yard loss. How do you go from a very promising beginning at Seattle to come home and lay an egg like that against San Fran? I'm not even bashing San Fran. I'm just saying, where was that competitive spirit at Seattle? Did you leave it in Washington? Where is it in Cincinnati? I mentioned week two's loss did anger me. I know it's sports. I know I'm going to wake up the next day. And I know in the long scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But it's still, where was that team from week one? Where did they go week two? Did none of them show up to Paul Brown Stadium? You know, I try to listen to all the Bengals and Reds games I can, but I'm kind of glad I missed that one. I listened to the pregame. Dave Lapham was talking about stats, you know, where teams that go 1-1, one and one, they have a better shot than teams that go 0-2, oh where 0-2 oh teams have, what was it, 6% chance of making the playoffs? And like I mentioned, I wasn't predicting the Bengals to make the playoffs, but let's look at the AFC North. Baltimore is 2-0. and oh. They ramaged through Miami. 
They had a close win against Arizona. The Steelers are 0-2. They're without Antonio Brown. I thought they'd be better without A.B., but, uh, no, apparently not. But it's still two games. You can't really judge a full season, you know, until about a quarter way through. But it's a frustrating loss. This Bengals team can be good. But where is the running game? Where is it? And how do we get it back? And how do we get depth on the offensive line? And where did that defense go? Like I mentioned, San Fran, 313 yards by the receivers, 259 yards on the ground, and 297 yards from Garoppolo. In total, wait, this was the stat that made me drop my yard, or drop my jaw, drop my yards. What's that mean? Total net yards, San Francisco 572, Cincinnati 316. I don't mind the 316. I just don't like the total net yards that San Fran got. 572? Also, to break down the first downs, by rushing, 49ers 13, Bengals 2. I said it a couple times already. I'll say it one more time. Where is the running game? By passing, a little bit more respectable. The Bengals got 11 first downs through the air compared to 14 by San Fran. And the Bengals got the only first down by penalty. Where are the penalty stats on this thing? Let's look through here. Rough game, say the least. 41-17 San Fran. The 49ers had the ball for 32 minutes, 19 seconds. Cincinnati, 27 minutes, 41 seconds. By the score, I would have thought it would have been a lot higher in favor of San Fran. Oof. Oof. It, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of positives to talk about this loss. Can you tell? But there are some positives to talk about after the break, such as the Frontier League Championship. Did the local team bring home the cup? And the Midwest League Championship. Who won that? And also, which baseball team is officially out of the playoffs? You might already know, but we're stepping aside, putting more optimism into the podcast here on episode 115 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mallon of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. Anchor is 100% free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place, and all for free. I love hosting on Anchor. It's been super easy to upload episodes, and when I had a problem with something, their tech support got it fixed very quickly. Download the free Anchor app on Google Play or in the App Store, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, the easiest way on making a podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. 
You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday Sports Gear by T Public. And we're back with part two. This episode is going to take everything I have. You know that first half, it took me over two hours just to get it done. And I know it's a fairly long segment. It went over 40 minutes, but I had to redo it like a hundred times. This week is not a good week for me speaking, apparently. So that's great. And also, I had to step away because that Bengals loss. It's not the Bengals' loss, it's how they lost. San Francisco came into Cincinnati and put up 500-plus yards and 41 points. It hurts to talk about it. When you see so much promise in Seattle, and then you come home and lay that on the home fans, it's it's heartbreaking. And I I felt like I was getting mad, and I don't like being mad. So I stepped away for a little bit, got some water, got snack, and I'm coming back in. I'm a little bit happier now. And I think we're going to start off this segment with the Frontier League Championship. A little bit sad, a little bit bittersweet. Game 5 was last night. Florence hosting the River City Rascals out of O'Fallon, Missouri. Great name, great logo. Reminds me of... The target dog sands the target on his eye. And yes, River City was the team a couple years back that were saying to fans, no, you can't keep the foul balls. If you do, we're going to charge you for them. And then that was quickly uh, washed away because social media got involved. Gotta love social media sometimes. Anyway, that's not important. What is important? The championship. The Florence Freedom were just nine outs away from the team's first Frontier League championship in Florence, Kentucky, before the celebrations slipped away. And this is from Cincinnati.com. Scroll up to see who wrote it. It is Alex Harrison of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Beginning the seventh inning at UC Health Stadium, the River City Rascals trailed 3-1, to one, and by the end of the frame, six Rascals scored, and River City flipped the script to eventually win 7-5. to five. A Colerain High School product, Scott Seaball, the starting pitcher for the Freedom, got into trouble by allowing a base runner in six of the seven innings he was on the mound, but the left-hander kept the Rascals' offense quiet until he was pulled in the seventh. Incidentally, that's not the first Colerain Cardinal to pitch for the Florence Freedom. I can remember right out of college, Casey Henn getting a chance with the Freedom. He was from Colerain. Great starting pitcher for Wright State. And I forget what year it was. It was the third or fourth year he had to have Tommy John surgery, which, you know, it's not great, but you can't bounce back from him. And he did. And he had a decent few years with Florence, if I remember right. But anyway, that's past, and we're talking about the championship that happened last night. Nick Anderson led off the seventh inning for the Rascals by reaching on an E5, and then Andrew Penner walked. And Morisano, James Morisano, singled to score Anderson and cut the Florence lead by one. The starting pitcher managed a pop-up before he was removed for reliever Jamal Wilson. The first pitch hit, the first pitch by Wilson, I should add, hit Trevor Ackenbach to load the bases. And then Kyle Waya 
Doubled to score Penner and Morisano, and the Rascals took the lead for good. It was a very tough outing in that seventh. Like I mentioned, the Rascals used that inning to take the lead for good. And Florence was denied the championship. In the article, it mentions that in what could end up being its final game ever, although it's been common knowledge for over a month, saying that River City is not coming back next year, and they're looking for alternatives, possibly another Frontier League team, maybe go the Summer League ball route. That's what several former Frontier League teams have done, Chillicothe, Richmond eventually. It wasn't the Roosters that became Summer Ball, but eventually it happened. The Rascals won its third championship, and first since 2010. And River City went 54-42 and in the regular season and swept the Evansville Otters before meeting up with Florence. Before coming to Kentucky, that franchise won three league championships. But the 2019 series marked the third time that Florence made it to the championship and came up short. The Freedom entered the series with a 57-39 and record, tied for the best mark in the Frontier League. Florence swept Lake Erie before falling in five to River City. Freedom made a final push, scoring two runs in the bottom of the ninth. But the Rascals pitching staff got the final three outs consecutively after the first three batters reached. That's a tough way to go. I mean, I said it's bittersweet because, like I said, the Rascals aren't coming back. They're just not. Maybe new ownership keeps them alive, but it was announced that they're not coming back. So, who's to say what happens in O'Fallon, Missouri? Carshield Park, Carshield Field, excuse me. It's nice. It's a nice facility. They can attract another team, but we'll see what the future is in the St. Louis suburb. Tough way to end the season, but you got to be proud of the freedom. Great year. Great, great year. And you have to assume that if most of those pieces come back, what will 2020 bring to Northern Kentucky? I'm hoping that it will bring a great year for freedom fans alike. I know it's tough for freedom fans to watch the championship go by the wayside in the seventh when you were nine outs away from the cup. But, that happens. Congrats go out to the River City Rascals. They win it in the best of five. Best of, yeah, best of five. I was going to say best of three. But, they won it three to two. So, there you go. Now, on to some college basketball. Because, it's almost that time. Just about 40 minutes ago, the Horizon League tweeted that the Wright State men's basketball Horizon League schedule is released. We'll talk about that. UD will be after this. For the Raiders, they'll start off at home against Green Bay and Milwaukee. Then they'll be on the road for four. I presume that is Oakland, Detroit Mercy, IUPUI, then UIC. That would make sense. It's the Michigan trip and then the Indy Chicago trip. And then back home against Cleveland State and Youngstown State. Circle this day, January 24th, Norfolk, Kentucky. It'll be at the Nutter Center. And then it's the Wisconsin road trip, January 31st and February 2nd. Can you believe we're starting a new decade in just a couple months? I kind of can't. 
Back home on February 6th and 8th against Detroit Mercy in Oakland. And then Valentine's Day and February 16th, UIC and IUPUI. And then on the road in Northeastern Ohio. And then February 28th at the BBNT Arena, Northern Kentucky, hosting Wright State. That closes out your conference and your regular season play. And now we look at UDs. The A-10 schedule released a little while ago. I think a couple days now. The Flyers will start the decade off in Philadelphia. They'll take on LaSalle and St. Joseph's on the road and come back home to open A-10 play at the finished UD Arena. It's going to be renovated and Part 3 will be done. I can't wait to see what all it looks like. It looks great after two phases. Third phase should be little touches around. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped. That will be January 11th and 14th. UMass in that Saturday. Tuesday, VCU comes in. UMass's game scheduled for 1230. VCU's game to be announced. I have to assume that's a Tuesday evening game, but we'll see. On the road at SLU. That's St. Louis. And then home January 22nd against St. Bonaventure. Back on the road to Richmond and Duquesne. And then three straight at home against Fordham, St. Louis, and Rhode Island. At UMass, at VCU, home versus Duquesne, at George Mason, home versus Davidson, at Rhode Island, and home versus George Washington. And that's the A-10 championship in Brooklyn, New York, at the Barclays Center. You know, where the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Islanders play. Although the Islanders are getting a new stadium, I think. Maybe, I don't know. So there you go. Conference slates. How is it that... College basketball is just a stone's throw away. It's crazy. How is it that hockey and basketball are stone's throws away? How? How is it almost the end of September? That's what I want to know. But there you go. Mentioned about the Florence Freedom falling in the Frontier League Championship. We'll talk about the Midwest League Championship. As you know, the Dragons did not make the playoffs in their 20th year. As a team in Dayton. However, the Eastern Division did win the championship. And it's the South Bend Cubs. The affiliate of the NL Chicago squad. They swept the Clinton Lumber Kings, affiliate of the Miami Marlins, to take the championship. I was really looking forward to that series. I was hoping that Clinton's offense would, you know, just erupt. And that's mainly because Peyton Burdick had such a great season. I don't know if he'll go back to Clinton for a little bit or go to Advanced Day in Miami. Hoping Advanced Day because I think Burdick will be a very nice player for the Marlins in the future. But maybe if the Reds trick the Marlins, you know, maybe we can get them on our side, you know. You know, Reds, you should have drafted him, but <clears throat> that'll do. So congrats go out to the South Bend Cubs. Great second half for SB. Decent team throughout the season. And is it the first year? That they weren't ran by Jimmy Gonzalez. I think it was Buddy Bailey's first year at South Bend as the skipper. I have to double check on that. But anyway, South Bend wins over Clinton. And that ends single A ball season around here. So there you go. South Bend wins it. And speaking of Cubs, there's a team that's been eliminated from playoff contention thanks to the Cubs 
Yes, the Cincinnati Reds are no longer postseason eligible. They fell to Chicago 8-2 to as starting pitcher Kevin Gosman, his first start with Cincinnati. He only went two innings. Cubs won 8-2 to last night, although tonight, as the Reds are now 11 games under 500, they'll turn to Sonny Gray against Hugh Darvish of Chicago. That might be a good game. And in fact, I will be able to hear most of that since tonight there is a UD men's soccer game, which I'll talk a little bit more about that. But Reds are no longer postseason eligible, as I said. With that loss, they can no longer clinch a wild card or a spot in the NL Central. Start off well for the Cubs. You know, that guy from Middletown, which, you know, it's the first time that anyone's heard they Kyle Schwarber's from Middletown, I'm sure. Three-run home run, and the Cubs never looked back. The Reds got it as close to 3-2, to two, but five more runs late in the game for Chicago. Kept it out of reach. I will say, the Reds will have their best finish since 2014, but it still is heartbreaking to realize what could have been. There was an article by the Red Blog Machine talking about what really happened with the Reds and why why the postseason wasn't really a reasonable reach. One was about Joey Votto. It's a down year for Votto, which, you know, he's getting up there in age, so hopefully 2020 does not repeat that for Votto, but we'll see. Also, that horrendous start. Winning opening day, great, but Losing the next eight, including all three against Milwaukee by one run. And also, speaking of one run, that was also mentioned on the article. Where the Reds have the worst record in one run losses. 22 and 32. One of the worst. But if you flip the script, that would help uh, bring out a couple wins, of course. Am I disappointed with no playoffs again in Cincinnati? Yeah. Is there a Reds fan that's like, oh, that's okay. You know, playoffs are overrated anyway. You know, let them fight on. I, I don't think there's anyone out of any fan base that's like, playoffs are just overrated. Get out of here with playoffs. That goes for any sport, any team, anywhere around the globe that likes sports. Am I proud of the Reds? Yeah. They made some moves that helped turn the tide. The Reds were eliminated mid-September. What were they last year? Was it beginning of August? People have been following the Reds closer. And it's been entertaining to follow through. Yes, August and September have been rough. Tell me something I don't know. But the Reds have at least been interesting. Not just for the throwback jerseys, which, by the way, this weekend, they're going to 1999 ones, which the away jersey is one of my favorite ones. It's the one that I have. But, of course, they're not wearing away jerseys. It's the home pinstripe red ones, which I always liked. The black sleeves, eh, a little weird, but you know what? I always liked that look. Of course, that look does not represent success, you know. What, 1999 is the first year they wore them? It was that play-in game with the Mets, and now later denied the Reds to win that game? Yeah, I mean, in 2006, when the Reds were this close to getting a playoff spot and then just kind of falter away 
yeah, that was uh that was tough. And then they went to the current look, which I'm not a big fan of. I just I I get the I get it. I know it's the old school like look, but I I'm not a big fan of it. I always liked you know the big red machine away look or the 90s look or even the 99 through 2006 look. I like that. I like the black shadow on it. Like I said, that's why I have the jersey. I liked it. And plus it was the year that Ken Griffey Jr. went from 30 to 3, so I got that jersey even cheaper. <laughs> Money saving. There you go. If you look at the pitching staff for the Reds, I mean, going back last year, I mean, would you want last year's squad? No, that's why the Reds made it better. Castillo, ace, Sonny Gray, outstanding. Tanner Roark had a great start, and then he kind of tailed off before he got Delta Oakland. Alex Wood, yeah. Not what I was hoping, but hey. And Trevor Bauer, yes, he's been rough in Cincinnati, but that 3-1 win in Arizona, he pitched that. I think he did a good job there, so there's promise there. The big need, I feel, maybe another bat, but the bullpen. The bullpen needs to get its stuff together. And this year, I swear, if the bullpen or the relievers have been suffering, bam, waiver wires you go. Wandy Peralta, gone. Jared Hughes, gone. There's other names I'm forgetting about, and I'll probably think about in the middle of the next thought, but Reds aren't fooling around, and I do like that. I feel like 2020 will be more successful in 2019, but you gotta think, at least this year has been more entertaining compared to the previous years. Especially that 3-18 and 18 horrendous start last year. Ugh. Getting it 1-8, and eight, that's not much better, but there you go. At least the Reds have made it interesting. But no playoffs. David Bell mentioned on the press release by Mark Sheldon and Russell Dorsey, Manager Bell said, for me, it's all about making the postseason. That's now next year, but part of that process is playing well the rest of the way. The 1-8 start, a deep hole, and the Reds should just never claw out of it. They did challenge, and like I said, I have been proud of the Reds. And for several years, rotation was bad in Cincinnati. You can't say that about this year's. So, no playoffs for the Reds, which is a shame, but just think of it this way. 2020 will be much better, hopefully. I say that, but, you know, I can't predict the future. If I could, I would have picked out lottery numbers and then won, but there you go. Now we talk about a very busy weekend for yours truly and Wright State Athletics. So over the week, over the weekend, the Wright State volleyball team held their own invitational. It was the host Raiders, Toledo Rockets, Western Illinois, Levernex, and the Indiana State Sycamores. I had the call on both Friday night volleyball matches, both entertaining. Toledo swept Western Illinois three sets to none. And Wright State pulled out a very close five-set decision over Indiana State three to two. In fact, set five went 20 to 18. If you know volleyball, 
Normally, it's first to 15 wins in set five. However, you have to have a two-point lead, and Indiana State had, what was it, three match point chances, which means next point the Sycamores get, and that's the match, and that's the win. Indy State came in 0-6. And in fact, their last showing in the Michigan State Invitational, they were swept by Michigan State, Miami, and Cincinnati. I forget if it's Miami or Cincinnati they face, but the Sycamores failed to reach double digits in not one but two sets, which is not good in volleyball. But Indiana State held their own. And in fact, they picked up their first win of the year against Western Illinois in their last match. Would have been second last in the Invitational. I had a lot of fun calling both those matches. And in fact, Wright State's win over Indiana State was my 11th hundred broadcast. 1100 games with a microphone in front of my face. And I'm describing what's happening. I can't believe I reached that mark either. But I was really proud of it. And it was in the same building where I started my broadcasting career. I remember being just a meek freshman that, let's be honest, I didn't know about sports as much as I do now. I mean, I was super nervous. I was hoping that broadcasting would be my future. And what do you know, I turned it into 1101 broadcast. I got another call on Sunday, which we'll talk a little about later. So, a lot of fun. Great series by Wright State. They swept Western Illinois and Toledo. Toledo up to that Wright State match. They swept both their opponents, which means three sets, and that's it. It's a best of three match. And the Rockets came in. They had two big leads over the Raiders in sets one and three, but Wright State came back and took the match. Three sets to none. I was quite impressed. Wright State's got a heck of a volleyball team. They have now won, what would that be, eight in a row? Lost the first match in the Notre Dame tournament, then beat Notre Dame. Back-to-back years that the Raiders have taken, uh, taken down a Power 5 opponent. Then beat LaSalle, so that's two. Swept the Xavier Invitational, swept the Wright State Invitational. Yeah, that's eight. There's one more Invitational, and it's nearby in Muncie, Indiana. You know, the home of the studio where Bob Ross painted most of his paintings. Yes, that's true. He painted in Muncie. Well, actually, he painted in North Carolina for the first season or two. Then he moved to Muncie. Yeah, something like that. The Ball State Invitational has Missouri State, the host Cardinals, and another team, which I'm finding out right now. That'd be Austin P. Is it Austin P. State or Austin P. I always known as Austin P. You know, named after the governor all those years ago. And then Horizon League play starts for volleyball. They'll host Oakland September 27th at 6. And then that Saturday hosting Youngstown State. And then next week hosting Northern Kentucky. Big, big start to the volleyball conference slate. Pick to finish 6. That would be the last team in the Horizon League volleyball tournament. I feel like the Raiders can do better than six. I feel like they can challenge Green Bay. They can challenge Cleveland State. Those have been the two strongest teams as of the last few years. Uh, Northern Kentucky, they're up there too. UIC. I think the Raiders can win some of these big matches. And I'm hoping that 
they do, because this is a very impressive volleyball team, and you should definitely give the Raider volleyball squad a chance. Eight straight wins for the Raiders, eight and one overall, now heading to Muncie State. Muncie State, excuse me, Ball State in Muncie, Indiana, which is a state, Indiana, not Muncie State. If you're wondering why it's called Ball State, it's the folks that help with, you know, jars and aerospace and stuff like that. There you go. Actually, wasn't one of the ball people a doctor? I don't know. There you go. Also, uh, soccer played. As you know, IPA for Wright State Soccer when I can. And the women's soccer team, they had a come-from-behind victory at Moorhead State. Defeated the Eagles 2-1, to down 1-0, about the 30th minute. Came back home, played a very impressive Tennessee Martin squad. Man, I tell you, broadcasting that game Sunday night, that team loved to push and push and push. Not like push-shove, which did happen a couple times. But, I mean, offensively, they they were pretty fluid up top. So the Skyhawks really did give Wright State a good test. It was senior night for the Raiders. And eight were honored. And senior nights for me are always, always sad. Because, like, hey, I, I've watched you play now. I watched most of them play for four years. There's a couple two-year seniors in there. Not two-year seniors, but two-year Raiders in there. Celebrating the senior day. But it's a little sad. Realizing that once 2020 hits, bam, they're not on the team. At least not as a player. Some might go for coaching, but there you go. Women's soccer team now 5-1-2. and two. Only blemish was a 4-1 loss at Toledo, but they're looking good. Offensively and defensively, too. I think this soccer team could really provide a nice push. I don't know it's sounding like my volleyball spiel, but hear me out. Milwaukee is picked to win the women's soccer crown, as they should. They've been top of the pyramid for quite some time now. In fact, I don't think I can tell you the last time Milwaukee didn't win a women's soccer crown. That's how good their program is. The Horizon League play starts on the road at UIC, and in case you didn't know, UIC men's soccer, great history. Women's soccer, they've only been around for five years, five or six years, something like that. So the Raiders go to UIC this Friday and then come back home next Saturday to take on Oakland, and I'll be there to PA that match. So you can hear my voice that Saturday afternoon. And then go on the road at Northern Kentucky, which should be interesting, because last year's match was a scoreless draw after 110 minutes. And if I remember right, I know there was someone that got two yellows, which is a combined red, meaning you got to go Try to think there was a second red issued that game, and I think there was, but I don't remember it. But there you go. Yeah, Wright State, Darwin, Kentucky, great series. And then at Green Bay, and then home against Milwaukee. Which, having that being a home match, it is pretty promising, but it's still Milwaukee. So we'll see how that match goes, and I can't wait to come back and announce. I like being part of both Wright State and Dayton's families. And now we'll talk about men's soccer. They were not at home, the only team not to be at home this weekend. But they did pick up a 1-0 win at St. Francis. And they're doing quite well RPI-wise. I think they're now in the 40s. 
I think. They will travel to Milwaukee this Saturday to open up Horizon League play. And then the Raiders have a non-conference tilt against future Horizon League foe Purdue Fort Wayne. Men's soccer team, I watched them and announced their 2-0 win over Cincinnati. And I swear, since I started to write state, Cincinnati has gotten a red card in each of the three matches I've announced. Which I don't know if they get it because I'm me or something. No, it's not me. But it's it's just something like, wow. I've seen I've seen Cincinnati's goalie get a red card at least twice now. They have to bring in one cold. So, <laughs> yeah, but that was a good win by the Raiders. Held off a very ferocious Cincinnati attack in that second half. Yeah, Wright State Fall Sports are good. And you should definitely check them out when you can. If you're a Wright State student listening to this, they're free to get into. They don't cost you anything. And most of the time, there's free food or free stuff. And you can make friends there. That's how I made most of my college friends. Actually, I made most of them through the radio station. But before I really got involved as sports director, I made a lot of friends that went to all the games. It was fun. We We had fun at the games. I didn't realize that Wright State had a non-conference game at Duke. I totally missed that on the schedule. That's going to be a big challenge. But if you want to compete with the best, you play the best. You want to be the man, you beat the band. That's what Mark Schlemmer says. Mark Schlemmer says a lot of stuff, though, so there you go. But he's right on that. In case you're wondering about Wright State homecoming, that's October the 5th, and women's soccer will be on the road... Actually, are they home October 4th? They don't play that Saturday. Men do at 7 against Oakland. So come out and enjoy a match. And we'll close up with one final thing. I mentioned UD men's soccer as a match tonight. Good defensive team. Haven't scored much yet. But tonight, the Flyers... We'll take on the Detroit Mercy Titans of the Horizon League. And I have a good feeling about tonight's game. It is game day, 7 p.m., free admission. Come out and watch a very good Dayton Flyers squad. Good fall sports at UD as well. Volleyball strong as ever. Like I mentioned, they upset number 14 Michigan at home. That's a pretty big win, although the Flyers are extremely tough at the Furick Center. Dayton volleyball is great. Dayton men's soccer is good. Dayton women's soccer is good. Come out and support your collegiate sports. Actually, to... They have the final point of the Flyers win over Michigan up on Dayton VB. And I forgot, I still had sound on. Ow, that that hurt. And no, it didn't record. I double-checked it. But, yeah, that was still loud on my ears. I forgot I had sound on, so... There we go. Don't forget to mute when you do a podcast. I think that'll cover up episode 115 just fine. Start off with high school football scores. Talked about a Bengals loss that got me deflated and a little bit upset. But came back, talked a little bit about a bittersweet ending to the Frontier League Championship. A touch about the Midwest League Championship. Again, congrats to the South Bend Cubs. And... A busy weekend at Rice State for yours truly. In fact, I know I said I had now 1,101 games. Soon I'm looking forward to the 
the replays, or not the replays, the uh, highlights of those. I've also reached my 475th game as a PA announcer, so I got 25 to go to 500. So I'm pretty pumped on that. Should I reach it this year? I don't know. I'm hoping, but we'll see how that goes. And today I'm reaching 115 episodes of my podcast. Again, my third year doing this. I have no idea how this podcast has lasted this long, but I'm glad it has because it's been a good place to talk local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports, and it's been nice to have you along for the ride. That will do it. Episode 116, what can you expect? Well, week four high school football scores and whatever comes across that week. I also saw the Miami Valley Sports Festival went quite well. Very exciting to see the pictures, especially the Gem City Roller Girls there. Wish I could have made it out, but all weekend I was working, so I do apologize about that. Hopefully next year I'll get an interview before the actual festival. I hold myself to that promise. Until episode 115, this is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Hope to hear from you again next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via royalty-free music, no copyright music group. Visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown and at the Lee W. Mowen and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page, and become a member of the Facebook group, Fans of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye, and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. <laughs>